What's up, everybody? It's Intuition, and uh, you're listening to Kind of Neat. Thank you guys for tuning in. Today on the show, we have a buddy of mine, Cool Roy. He used to go by Light. I know him as Dominic Franklin. Uh, very nice fella. But first and foremost, uh, let's get the social media stuff out of the way. Uh, my name is Lee. Like I said, you can follow me on Twitter at It's Intuition. You can follow my man behind the boards, Ben Shim. All praises due, making the shit sound buttery. At I am database, base with two S's. You can follow us as a team at That's Kinda Neat. And uh, our YouTube channel is youtube.com slash that's kind of neat, where you can find a song by Cool Roy this week. And you can also find everything uh, on our content portal, which is kindaneat.net. Last week in the Blockhead episode, I started trying to give some advice. Uh, and I gave some advice about being bald and uh, how you should just fucking cope with it and deal with it. And so after that, I had a, a couple emails um, that are asking for more advice. And so I'm going to pick this one because I want to get it out of the way because I don't want to always get asked this question. And I don't really, I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to have a great answer at this question, but I'm just going to kind of wing it and see what happens. But a dude named Matt sent me a question that goes, do you ever feel like you're going through the same old motions and get in a writer's block rut? Like you're always writing similar, similar material. And if so, what do you do to get out of it? And also, when writing, what structure do you normally do, verse, then chorus, hook, or vice versa? I know we're all different when it comes to the way we do our art, but as someone in your position of success, I am not in any position of success, but I appreciate that. I'm curious of what works for you. Get back to me if you can, or I'll just keep listening on the podcast. Thanks. Keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate that, Matt. So I'm going to get back to you on the podcast. First and foremost, do I ever feel like I'm stuck in a rut? Yes. I'm going to admit right now that I am currently stuck in a very fucking terrible rut. I'm having um, terrible writer's block, and everybody's been asking me, oh, when are you going to put some new shit out? How come the album's not finished? This, that, and the other. Like, Mark and I are basically, like, have gotten to the point where the, we could have put the album out already, but we're being very picky. We want this to be a really good album. We're very proud of everything that we've finished for it so far, and so... I think we have this idealistic vision of like putting out what we consider as close to a perfect album as we can together because we've been working together a long time and we want this to be our magnum opus. So we pretty much had it finished, uh, upon which time we decided that a couple of the songs we were going to scrap and write some new ones. And I have some beats that I've been working on. But for some reason, for the past three or four months, I've been starting a lot of raps and then scrapping a lot of raps. And I've been writing stuff and then deciding that I don't like it and throwing it away. And I'm like not in a good headspace right now. So I am currently going through a rut and I am currently in a phase of writer's block. And I feel like real life can put you in a state of... Uh, of writer's block and make your creativity kind of ebb and flow a little bit because I've been busy trying to keep a roof over my head. I've been taking on a lot of extra work. I've been doing a lot of um, work from the house doing retouching for people. We've been on a lot of photo shoots. I concentrate a lot on the podcast. And so I am in a creative rut right now. And I don't really like to talk about it that often, but I'm talking about it now because I'm figuring maybe if I put it out there in the world and say like, yeah, I am struggling right now with the creativity as far as my writing goes, perhaps some good, uh, some good vibes will come my way and I'll break free from it. I always feel like I'm right on the verge of breaking out of it. But to answer your question, Matt, I'm not really sure how to get out of a writer's block. And I feel like for most of my, uh, most of the time that I've been writing, it's always a battle with writer's block. When I first started rapping, um, or like recording raps at least and taking it, you know, quote unquote seriously, I feel like I was very hungry to write and I was writing all the time, whether or not I had beats, I was just always writing, 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 writing. After you put out a record, I, I don't know, for me, it waned a little bit and it became a, well, I'm going to write when I have a purpose. And it was only like when I knew I was making a song that was going to make it onto something, that's when I would start writing. And then um, slowly I, I've gotten to the point where I, I second guess myself all the time and I question myself and I wonder, do I have anything left to say? And it's a real challenge. And uh, I think that's just part of being an artist. And everybody has different answers as to how you get rid of writer's block. The main thing is, I think, is just keep trying and eventually something will work. And when I have writer's block, it stresses me out and it gives me anxiety. And I find that if uh, I generally, when people ask me, oh, what's up with the next song? Or like, when's this? I say, I, you know what? I don't really want to talk about it because it stresses me out. And I feel like stress is a big part of like the creative block. And I'm hoping that if I can get myself stress-free to a point where like, okay, hey, you know, I know where rent's coming from this month. And hey, I, you know, I feel happy in my love life and this, that, and the other. Like, 
perhaps it will go away. So I try to just relax. I try to not think about it. I try not to force it. But at the same time, I do try to make myself work. You know, I do throw on beats when I'm in the car and try to write stuff. And I do um, sit at home sometimes and just open up a, a notepad and start trying to like jot some stuff down. Uh, whether or not it sticks, it hasn't been. But I try not to think about it. But at the same time, I force myself to think about it. And uh, that's not a good answer, and I apologize for that. But the truth is, I don't think anybody knows how to get out of writer's block. It's just like you just got to keep trying, basically. I'm sure maybe being healthy, eating right, working out, drinking a lot of water, keeping your physical form, taking care of yourself can also take care of your mental stability. And perhaps when you're at your peak uh, in both is when your creativity is flowing the most. But at the same time, I think you just got to go out and live life. I think life is what inspires. So, like, you know... If you're going to write a fucking, I mean, if you're depressed, you're going to write depressed songs. And if you're happy, you're going to write happy songs. And that's all there is to it. And so I think like uh, the best answer for getting out of a writer's block is hopefully just to live life. So that's what I'm trying to do right now. And, I, and you know, I'm sorry that the album's taking so long, guys, but it is what it is. It's going to, it's going to either, it's going to come out and it's, it's going to be good or it's going to be, you know, some people will say it'll be mediocre, but I'm, I'm just trying and we're trying to do our best. And so hopefully I break out of that rut. As far as like my writing structure goes, I mean, it always varies. Sometimes verses start and turn into, and then I'll be writing a verse and in the middle of a verse, I'll realize that the bars that I just wrote would be better as a chorus and I'll rewrite those, that section, you know, like the last song I put out, I remember, uh, finished with a kill. I was writing, writing, writing. And then I realized the hook part was like kind of jingly and it was a real good, it was like just a good rhyme scheme and I liked it. And I was like, oh, this is like, too strong to just tuck in the middle of a verse i think i'm gonna move that to like this bar or like to like a bridge thing and then i had this idea to chop and to like kind of chop and flip the the line into a chorus thing and so i just you know that's that happens sometimes but then other times it's like immediately you hear a beat and the hook pops into your head and then you write around the hook it just that shit all depends and there's no real solid answer for that but yeah, I wish I had a better answer for writer's block. And you know, hey, if you guys have ideas on how to fix writer's block, feel free to email me too. You can hit me on my Facebook fan page. It's at It's Intuition. I read those messages and I take them into account. And uh, I would love to keep interacting with you guys via this podcast. You know, so if you have questions, feel free to send them to me on Facebook backslash at It's Intuition, and uh, I'll answer them or I'll try. Like today, I feel like I'm just kind of meandering and I'm, I'm really trying to figure it out for myself and not really for you, Matt, but I appreciate you making me think about it. So anyhow, writing, you just got to do it. Creativity. If you're a creative person, you just got to, you know, you just got to create. You just got to try to create. And uh, today we had a very creative person on. His name's Cool Roy. Like I said, I really like Cool Roy, man. He's like uh, just a very real dude. It gets pretty heavy pretty fast in the, in this conversation, you know, because he's been going through some shit and we try to wane through some of that. You know, we talk a lot. We talk about a lot of stuff and I'm really proud to know the guy and call him a friend. I think he's like a really great writer, but just like a great dude to vibe with. And uh, as of the time that this podcast is coming out, we're going to have played a show together for free on Sunday. So, hey, if you came to the show, thanks. I appreciate it. And if you're listening now, thank you so much for listening and coming to the show. That's awesome. Uh, we played a show together back in late February. That was so fucking sick at the uh, Church of Fun. One of my favorite shows ever. And I think that he kind of agrees with that as one of his favorite shows. It was just a, it was just a perfect moment. So anyhow, without further ado, this is my dude, Cool Roy. What's up, man? I'm chilling, man. What's up with you? <laughs> you know. Yeah. Trying to stay afloat. I'm oh, trying no, to stay man. afloat. What have you been doing to stay afloat? I don't know if I've been staying afloat, to be honest. Why? What have you been... No, nah, no. Nah, what's I'm, been wrong? No, nah, I'm chilling. Nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong. Everything's great. I spend all day with my daughter and then all night making music, so... Yeah. I mean, that sounds good on yeah. the surface. Yeah. Like, I haven't talked to you in a while, mm -hmm. and just seeing you today, you seem a little down. No, I'm not down. I'm just chilling, man. I'm, okay. trying to, I'm trying to take it easy. Yeah, yeah. Recently, I've been on edge a little bit, flipping out on this person. Or Why have you been on edge? I don't know. I'm just ready for something more. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel you. You've been working at this a long time. Yeah. And you're good at it. Yeah. You know? That's what <laughs> sucks is like, man, when you're good at something and yeah. things don't seem to be working, it fucking hurts. Yeah, it hurts. It's confusing. It's, it's frustrating. It's... 
I don't know, man. You kind of get lost in it and you start questioning why you're doing it and yeah. all that shit. So I feel like you lead like a real um, rap life, whether you would admit it or not. Hell no. Be- nah. nah, but because a real rap life, I think most people think that a real rap life is like, yo, I'm out in the club and mm-hmm. a motherfucking Bentley and this and that and the other. But really, your rap life is like you're at the studio and there's always a beat on and mm-hmm. you're always jotting stuff down. And sometimes the lyrics that you're writing are used for you. Sometimes they're used for other people. Right. It's just kind of a constant stream of creativity while you're in the studio. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. That's a real rap life to me. Yeah. I guess half of it. Well, I guess it's all, it's all a real rap life when you look at it like that. Like I get up eight o'clock every morning, Monday through Friday, and I have a little, a little daughter that belongs to me. And what, what's her name? Autumn. Autumn Lane Franklin. She's got to be just about turning two now. Yeah, so, yeah. September, man. Yeah, September. I remember. I remember where she was born. You brought her to the office when I was oh, still yeah, at Knox City. Oh, yeah, she was like two, three like months. Two, yeah, yeah, she was just a little tight. Yeah, in yeah. the car seat and everything. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so she's like walking and talking and has attitude and personality, man. She's crazy. Very pretty little girl. Yeah, thank you, man. Yeah, most yeah. definitely. So, yeah, man, I'm with her to like 6, 6.30 at night, and then... You guys split custody, or you have full custody? How does that work? I don't know, man. It's not really a custody thing. It's just like, you know, yeah. we're both raising a kid, yeah. and that's that. Like, yeah. I've known who you were and met you many years ago, like right. probably 08 or, or, or 09. Mm-hmm. Like, we would see each other at shows and stuff, and right. then... Um, then you came to my house one time when I was uh, recording Girls Like Me, and you mm-hmm. you were there with Raquel when she recorded her chorus, yeah. and that's when we kind of we were like, oh yeah, I didn't realize we had we were this close of a connection, like right. one degree of separation. And then in 2011, we spent a lot of time together when I was with Knocksteady because uh, there was like you know various things going on where, that we were trying to keep you involved with. Mm-hmm. And and at that point you were like deeply in love with this girl, and you and she was pregnant, and like things were great. She was, and and then what happened? <laughs> <laughs> that's ter- that's a terrible fucking summary no, yeah, but what no, happened uh, a combination of things man i think um to be honest about the situation uh it was just kind of going through life and and that was something that that relationship had kind of run its course how long had you guys been together well we had been we had been we had a relationship for at that point to like four years maybe yeah and um it definitely had its up and downs but by the time she was pregnant and there was a baby on the way things had kind of like died out and so that was kind of like um that was like the the last chance and like okay pregnant baby's here or baby's coming baby's here let's try to make it work Mm -hmm. and everything else was in chaos everything every other part of our relationship was chaos except for this baby Mm -hmm. and that's that like it it worked for a little while and then it just fizzled out and Mm -hmm. things kind of you know i mean heated up and and got crazy, but for the most part, we just tried to make something work that was already, already done. Were you guys living together? Yeah, yeah, we were. Um, were you living together before she got pregnant? No, no, no. At, at one point, and then we split, and then, man, to keep it a hundred, man, we were just both at the same spot, and one night, and you know, I mean, when alcohol gets involved and good music, and you mm-hmm. know, I mean, get energy, and your spirits are running high, and you're just making decisions. And next thing you know, it's like, and we're already cool. And so next thing you know, it's like, what, baby on the way? Fuck it. Cool. Let's do it. Let's let's be different than how our parents were. Let's say, fuck our bullshit. Fuck our whatever we have going on. And let's just make it work for the sake of this child. Mm. And then so that only lasts so long because then once the baby's here and once, okay, this is not so crazy. We're able to, we know how to raise a kid. We can do this, blah, blah, blah. Let me get back to my own life. Let me start moving forward. Oh shit. I forgot. I don't really like you so much. Mm. I don't really like you outside of you raising my kid outside of you feeding my kid, changing my kid. I don't really like you. I don't know, man. It's just, everything starts to fall back into the reality Mm -hmm. or you start to snap back into reality. And it's just like, yo, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do this because now you're arguing and now you're creating a, a stressful situation inside the home and, and your kid sees that, man. It doesn't matter if she's a newborn or 18 yeah. years old. She, she picks up on that and it was just it was just beginning to be too much. And so we just... How would like, you try to cope with that at the time? Was it just like, let me let me just leave, go to the studio or like was it... It was a lot of it was the studio, but... Did you withdraw? Yeah, I got... Yeah, I got high a lot, man. Mm. Like during the last few months of the pregnancy and then... Up until she was about, you know, three, four months. Mm. Like, I was getting high a lot. Did you feel like you were already checked out at that point? Oh, uh, yeah. I was. You just had to, like, gather up the nuts to say something? Or yeah, what? it was. Yeah. And that's the thing. I didn't even say anything. I kind of just made more bad decisions. And then 
kind of forced it to blow up. Mm. You know what I mean? It was kind of like like doing foul shit in hopes that you would get caught. Almost subconsciously. Yeah, like try, telling myself like, yo, I don't want to get caught, or you know what I mean, or I don't want to do this. I don't. I'm not trying to, end, or whatever. But in the reality, I think something in me was like, yo, you have to fuck this up, mm-hmm. or you're not gonna. I felt like everything, every other part of my life, or all of my dreams were at stake, mm-hmm. and it was really coming to terms. Like, yo, can I really chase my dream? Can I really, can I really go be successful and still be a great dad? Mm-hmm. And so that was. Like, I didn't think so. Like, there was a part of me thinking, like, yo, you have to go get a job now. You have to go. You have to be stable. You you can't be out all night at the studio. You can't w- w- go travel for however many days out the year. And this is it was all the, it was the struggle. And so when I finally got to the point to where I was just and really it was my daughter's first birthday. And it was getting there. I was able to. I was able to pay for the whole birthday party, and I was able to. Oh yeah, and Tommy the clown coincidentally yeah, showed up. I was exactly. there. I was there. Oh, yeah, you were there. <laughs> exactly. So you were there. You saw it, and yeah, we got a free Tommy yeah, the clown show exactly. because there was another fucking birthday party that paid for that. Yeah, yeah. 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 So that was really the the moments where I was like, even though we had already split at that point, I was still going through these things, and and but her first birthday was like, yo, you can do this. You can go be a, mu- a musician mm. or an artist and and still be. Well, you guys a kept great a, you guys kept a good public image then, because at that point, I didn't know that you guys were already split. Yeah, man. Like you, you guys are good at painting a happy face around yeah, each other. Yeah. At I least. mean, she's cool because at yeah. the end of the day, fuck all our problems. Like we're still cool. We're still we're still homies. And yeah, well, I mean, you guys have something that's gonna bond you for yeah. for literally the rest of your lives yeah. now. And we yeah. understood that pretty quickly. So that was like. No matter what else we went through, we was we always had that. I was like, "Well, fuck it, man." At the end of the day, we can't get anything else right. We got this right. So yeah. let's just hold on to that. Yeah, so. yeah. You live by yourself now? Yeah. N- no, I don't. Mm. I live with I live with Ali, bro. Oh, no shit! I didn't. <laughs> oh yeah, we're roomies. Shout out to Ali. Yeah, What's yeah, up, man? man? What's up, bro? Yeah, yeah. How's that going? <laughs> it's cool, man. Yeah, it's cool. I've had a roommate since, and this is. I mean, it's not even really a roommate. I'm like, he's like big brother. So yeah. I'm like crashing and learning and and seeing the game because he's killing shit and so i'm just picking up as much as possible but as far as the actual living with somebody i've been living with somebody since my boy deuce and that's that's kind of weird like you know what i mean i've been on my own since i was 17 and and so it's what about to be eight years now and i don't know if i'm used to being by myself so that's kind of how i prefer things so it's a readjustment yeah well, Ali, he's your manager, uh-huh. mentor of sorts. Yeah. He's your big brother. He's a lot of things. He's a lot of things. How, yeah. how did you guys meet Ali? Because I feel like Ali, Ali is the one who kind of seems to have maybe brought you into what is your current rap life. Yeah. Like he, he picked up on your talent and said, we need to work with you consistently. How did that happen? Well, I had a, a nine to five for at a bankruptcy firm. Mm-hmm. And um, my boss there was like really into music. And somehow he found out that I rapped. So I gave him a CD. And um, he was like, yo, I got to get you with my boy. I got to get you with my boy. And it was actually uh, Dave, the producer that I work mm-hmm. with now. He's like, yo, you would kill over some of his tracks, blah, blah, blah. And so and Ali was managing Dave. And, you know, uh, so that's how the connection was made through my boss at that job. Mm-hmm. We went out to Vegas and we recorded a couple songs. One was that, you know, that I almost died last night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh, that song should be a hit. Yeah, it should have been. Man, that but, song should be a fucking hit. Uh, we re- we did that, the the first our first session together. And so f- right away it was like, okay, we want to work together. That's t- uh, Time of My Life? Is that what that song's Yeah. No, no, no. Fucking that, Time of My Life was on. It's like the same vibe. I don't know, bro, but <laughs> <laughs> it's whatever, man. Yeah, yeah. But no, nah, it, I haven't used that song at all. Uh. But yeah, man, we were just, we, we hit it off right away and you know more so on the life on the life scale like i kind of look a lot of his, the way he thinks kind of appeals to me and it's fascinating yeah, to me and so it like, is i kind of attached to that and was like yo because ali's a is. hustler yeah a little bit yeah, right ali could so catch up to a exactly. fucking woman in white gloves exactly and i i feel like you kind of need that in this rap game because you need to know how to use your words and how to make them you know what I mean? Interesting. Yeah. And, and a lot of the best rappers aren't fucking. They're creatives and they're not salesmen. Yeah. And we're not businessmen. Right. I'm not a fucking businessman. Me neither, man. You know. And, and I wish I had somebody like Ali in my corner. Like yeah. he's a fucking smart dude. Yeah. Uh, well, you talked about you wanted to like make it work with the lady because you didn't want it to be like your parents. When did, when did your parents split? I was a year right before two. Oh, so you don't so, you don't remember them splitting up? Yeah. So did you grow up more with mom or more with dad? Uh, I spent a lot of time. Well, my mom, I mean, I growing up, I, I did spend a lot of time with my dad, but it was like on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but in, outside of that, it was like in every other weekend. And, uh, but other than that, it was just me and mom and kind of in her room, me and my room. And 
you know what I mean, with the TV and some music. and Born and raised in L.A.? Yeah. What part? Uh, Fairfax and Adams, like, you know what I mean, right, borderline cover city, you know what I mean, right Mid- in the middle of everything. Mid-city? Mid-city, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, yeah, man, it was just, you know. What was L.A. like then when you were a kid? Was it safe? Yeah, like, I spent, I have an older sister who's 11 years older than me. Oh. And, um, Does that feel more like an aunt almost, or what? Nah, she's definitely an older sister. Yeah, yeah. Like, she, I was with, I spent a lot of time with her, too, when I was young. And she moved, so she moved out the house when she was 16. Uh-huh. And, um... Moved with whatever with her dad. We have whatever. Yo, this is about to get interesting. This, yo, this is drama. Hold on, let me. I mean, this, I, a, this is a real LA family. You yeah, know? yeah. So, so she had it. We, hey, we believe, had believe me, you, you, this isn't the most confusing family story we've had on no? here. So take your time. And you'll right, cool. be fine. Let's yeah, yeah. I've yeah. really talked about yeah. this. So we have we have separate dads, and yeah. and of course, or not of course, but she moves out when she's sixteen, which puts me at at five. Uh-huh. But that's also when she got her car. So I was always with her because being that young she was really like the only person that could watch me mm-hmm. and so um i just remember rolling through the city in her two-door acura acura integra charcoal gray and like every from from venice to crenshaw to 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 where any part of the city man hollywood mm-hmm. like i was with her like hanging out the window playing music mm-hmm. at the, the loudest possible mm-hmm. volume and and seeing the city very young like i feel like i I was aware of everything going on in L.A. at a very young age. What was that music she was playing when you were She was playing a lot of R&B, like the Mariah Carey's and the Whitney Houston's and all this. Then she had, like, the pop side. Like, there's a song, like, My Name is Luca. I still don't know what that is, but it's, like, the worst song ever. But she played that every fucking day, man. Yeah. And My Name is... But that's how I got introduced to Jay-Z, because I remember her having the Reasonable Doubt tape. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Fugees. um, She played that a lot. And then... um, everything though man you walked into a room and she had stacks on stacks on stacks on stacks of cds mm-hmm. she was at the record store every tuesday so man, she was your first shit. music influence yeah and i didn't i didn't even realize it um but she definitely was her and my dad they they both were music lovers and that's kind of how i got introduced to it yeah and, and but yeah man spent a lot of, a lot of time with her she that's how i learned everything about women her and all her friends yo man having a big sister is the shit yeah and because she and especially a dope one who snatches you up and like it was like okay you're just with me and like spending all of that time with her i saw everything i know everything about women just from spending time with her and her four or five best friends yeah i'm the little guy so they don't they don't care to get undressed and i feel like even as an adult that's you could tell that you were uh, around women because i feel like women probably feel really safe around you yeah you know what i'm saying like you got a safe aura about you like like no rapey vibes which is tight you know what i'm saying like (laughs) i have some friends that are fucking creepy dog and like you're like the least creepy dude you know what i'm saying so yeah yeah anyways uh so you're you're driving around la with your sister what's mom doing to hold down mom's is working man she she's i feel like she's had the same jobs for as long as same job as for as long as I've been alive. Man. What what does she do? Accountant. Oh, okay. Um, for some dude, some dude who owns like a few blocks in Beverly Hills. Okay. Know? But it's still it's not on some it's no glamour. Yeah. You know we lived. I lived. I grew up in the house that next door to the house that she grew up in. My grandfather bought both houses. Huh. So my family's been pretty much there. Are those houses still in the family? Yeah, but they're sober living now. That you came to, so the play, the spot on Thurman, yeah, like yeah. My basically my whole mom's side of the family grew up there. Okay, and then um, and now we have some some addiction things in our family, and so my uncle took it upon himself to open up a sober living because he's like thirty years sober. Yeah, and he um so it turned the house that I lived in, the house next door, and the apartments around the corner into all sober living. Oh so wow, yeah, so it's pretty cool. That's dope. And it's kind of funny that, that I used to have these crazy ass parties in, in there, and everybody's fucked up on who knows what. And yeah, now it's like the people there are like, no, <laughs> no, nothing. Huh? Sober. Yeah. So you had addiction. You grew up around addiction with who? Like, I didn't. I didn't necessarily see, didn't see it. it. It was kind of a little bit before me. Yeah. And, and um, in my family, but uh, I have a cousin who was a crazy drinker he had he spent his time on this drug and that drug but yeah. it was really alcohol got him and he had this crazy accident spent a few days in jail 
And uh, that was kind of his turnaround. And this is actually his son, my uncle's son. So he's involved in the sober living. So is that why you had to get out of there? Because they're converting into sober living? Yeah, they kind of like kicked me out, kind of. You know what I'm saying? Nah, it was, but, but that's it, a shakeup in the life. Like yeah. That's got to be a lot of additional stress. I, I hate moving personally. Yeah, man. And particularly moving from someplace where you've been rooted for right. you know your, most of your life. Right. That's got to be stressful. Yeah, it was kind of crazy, man. Any, any type of change is crazy. And especially that one to where, you know what I mean? You know, you're comfortable. This is where you lay your head. This is where you take a shit. This is where you have sex. This is where you, you know what I mean, do nothing. And so to go to somewhere new and have to get comfortable doing those places, I mean, doing those things somewhere else is kind of like. Yeah, you have to be so much more careful when you're jerking off when you have roommates. Exactly. (laughs) I don't want to hide that shit. You're listening for like footsteps. Yeah, it's like I'm so used to doing it in front of my computer screen (laughs) and now I got to do it in the shower so I don't get caught. This is bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, what, so what, what did your dad do while you were growing up? Man, my dad didn't. My dad was a dreamer, man. He he that never rubbed, really, that rubbed off. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he never really held on to a job too long because he didn't like working for anybody. I feel that. And but I don't know. Yeah, so he he kind of. So he just hustled. He had side gigs and stuff, probably. Or kind of man, it was just like on some. Yeah, my dad's an interesting cat, and he he's super dope, man. But. I think a lot of things came easy to him in his in his younger life, and when yeah. he got older, I think he expected the same thing, and because he's very talented, charming and, dude, yeah, char- yeah, very charming. And yeah, talk. that happens when you're really charming. It's like all of a sudden you hit thirty or something, and you realize like, like, oh wait, a wink and a smile is not going to get me everywhere anymore. Because yeah. back when I was in high school, that shit got me everywhere. Right, right, you know? exactly. Yeah. So that that was him. That was my dad, and yeah. so and it got to a point to where it was just like, oh, uh, you need to start doing something else and that he it kind of never kicked in as far as i saw you mm-hmm. know what i mean he mm-hmm. was always he was always there to be a a part of the dad that i needed but mm. everything else like i needed because I, I took on that same attitude that's what i thought like i saw a lot of things come easy to him so mm-hmm. everything like even through school it was just like okay i, I can smile make, wink and smile and mm-hmm. I, everything's gonna fall in my lap mm-hmm. and so i guess just paying attention to him and 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 looking at him the way that i did it i kind of snapped out of it a little earlier than him and especially because he had he had me when he was 25. I had my daughter when I was 22. And mm-hmm. so um, kind of I was really looking at him and trying to put myself in his shoes at, at this at my age mm-hmm. and trying to trying to, you know, understand his headspace. So I don't make those same mistakes and, and I can do something different. And, you know, and it's kind of like basically just get off your ass like, OK, you have all of these things, but you have to go get it. He always used to tell me, let the game come to you mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And that made sense to a certain, to a certain extent. But now I understand it's just like, okay, certain things are going to come with, come to you. Cause that's, then you use those things to go get more. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so yeah. I never heard that, that second part of it. It's just like, let, okay, relax, chill. This is this, let the game come to you. You know what I mean? But no, that's not, that's not it. You have to, you, you take what you get and then use what you get to, to, to go get what you want. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And so, I just never, if I would have heard that a little bit earlier, but I guess figuring it out on your own is dope too. Yeah, it know. absolutely is. I, I always say like, as far as like letting the game come to you or you going to the game, I think uh, our generation is so scared of like coming off thirsty, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. there's a big difference between hunger and thirst, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Definitely. And it's like, as long as you're hungry about it and pursuing things without being fucking obnoxious about it, it's right. like, go to the game. Right. You don't need the fucking game to come right. to you. Like, yeah. go make shit happen. Exactly. I find that interesting that like you would see him, you know, two or three times a week. Like, was it... Did he really try hard to make those days count? Or, like, you know, did you guys ever just fucking sit on the couch and kick it? Or was it, like, always like, hey, I need to make this a learning experience? You know what I'm saying? Well, it was, uh, my dad, I looking back at it, I, I don't think my dad had a, had a spot, man. Like, mm. I don't think he was, like, really had a place to call his own. I remember he had this pickup truck that mm. we spent a lot of time in. That mm. we, we spent a lot of our time in the car mm-hmm. driving around and, and, basically talking i I, remember, I know i asked a shitload of questions just about life and the shit that i saw so he was definitely telling me everything he knew story after story after story after story after story i just tell a lot of stories in my music and it's really because him i sat in that car every time i was with him and just hearing a story about his life and and his experiences and and he's a great storyteller so i know that that's where i got that from and um but we really outside of the car we were on the on the basketball court mm-hmm. that was where 
our relationship was. It was either in the car or on the basketball court. Mm-hmm. And so, so in hindsight, you're like maybe he was couch surfing or something. Yeah. Where would you stay when when, when you would stay with him? No, we, it was just it was just for after days. school. It, it was, was after school, and then go back to he mom's. He picks house. me up, and yeah. then nine o'clock, I'm at mom's house. That's so crazy. Just a few hours, and then every other weekend we go chill at my grandmother's house in in South Central. Yeah. And we were there for it was really just every other Saturday. We were at my grandmother's house all day from the morning to till 10 o'clock at night then he drops me off back at his mom's house no shit and then by the time i'm older 10 10 he's remarried and and i have a younger sister on the way and so they kind of set in set, set up a house a home and all that stuff so i was go spend time there yeah but at that point i'm older i'm kind of is he still with his new or with his wife yeah, yeah yeah i have two younger sisters nice and, yeah what is it what's he doing now He's, I don't know, man. I haven't. You keep in contact? I haven't talked to my dad in a year. Really? Why? Yeah. Was there a falling out, or is it just that's what happened? I don't know, man. We had a we had an interesting conversation one night, and then after that, it was kind of, yeah, I need to, I need to go do some shit. Like, I, I'm, I, I kind of. That's I, what you said. Yeah, basically yeah. to myself. Like yeah. I was like, I, I kind of pulled away from a lot of people that I was close with, my whole life because it was just like, yo, everybody seems to 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 have accepted basically what they have right now is like okay this is my life and i'm going to work now i work these two jobs or okay i have this place i'm getting this much money every week or every month and this is what i can do with it and that's it seems to be everybody's attitude around me i was like yo i don't need any of that man i need some people who are hungry and ready to go and ready to see all this opportunity see see all this all this shit out in the world that's that's able to be done and and want to go do it and because that's where i'm at right now and i couldn't be around any of that that, that can complacent being people being complacent and comfortable and comfortable when i feel like when you're raised and live in a city like la where there is everything yeah it seems like you don't have to see anything else is that that's another thing that i just come it was like yo i need to go somewhere else i haven't really been anywhere bro yeah well i mean you hear about kids that are raised in la 15 minutes from the beach that have never seen the ocean yeah yeah it's (laughs) like that's crazy that's wild that's crazy uh yeah i mean i don't know do you think you'll ever be satisfied? Is there any such thing as being satisfied? Maybe. Have, I don't have know. you ever like? Have you? I've felt satisfied for like a minute, and then I'm like, oh wait, I gotta go do something better now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know if I'll ever be satisfied. I don't think so. And I think either. it fucking reflects in my relationships. I think mm-hmm. it reflects in my like with my music stuff. It reflects in everything. Like right. I in careers. Like I'm never happy. Yeah. If I'm making a fucking hundred dollars an hour, I'll be like, oh, I want to make yeah. fucking hundred fifty an hour. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess that's how you're how you're supposed to feel sometimes. But some people do get satisfied, mm-hmm. and there, I think there's a difference between people like them and people like us. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah, I don't know either. So, do you feel like your dad's a, someone who's just satisfied? No, I don't think he's satisfied at all. But I think he's just kind of he's not doing anything to change that. I I think he's at the point where he doesn't know what to do. And I think I think fear plays a lot into it. Yeah. And not wanting to fail. And then another part of me is like, yo, I want to show you that this shit can be done. Mm-hmm. Like, yo, I want to show you that because he's a huge dreamer and I am, too. And he has I know he had plans and ideas and he had a whole vision of how of how his life should be. Mm-hmm. And I feel like at this point, it's just like, yo, man, he doesn't believe in that. Like, yo, that was all bullshit or it was whatever. Like, this is real life. And I Yeah, when he was your age, he was idealistic yeah. and now he's fucking grown and caged. Yeah, it, exactly. I'm like, yo, so what, man? These are just, man, I don't know. So I just kind of want to show him that, that it could be I, bad. like, completely and utterly relate to that yeah. in that, like, I used to tell my mom, like, yeah, look, let me fucking be a pipe dreamer until I'm 30 and then yeah. I'll stop. Yeah. And then 30 came around and I'm I'm not stopping. <laughs> right, right. And now, you know, I'm uh, doing enough various things to, like, keep a roof over my head, but she's still always kind of like, get a real job, get a real job, yeah. do, you know, you should have a family and be married and they have a real job and I want to, yeah. you know, da-da-da-da-da. But, like, you know, she doesn't get it that, like, I'm trying to fucking do something bigger or better and it, whether it's music or whether yeah. it's with this it's like or creating an, your own business it's like you know I, I feel like once the dream dies like fucking what's what is the point after that exactly what's the point there is the no point dies? there is no point man. yeah that's the that's the thing that keeps you going is that dream and you being able to picture everything and see everything and mm-hmm. it gives you something to strive for and mm-hmm. so if you don't have that then it's just like uh you feel like you're at a dead-end job no matter what you're doing yeah, yeah. i always say with no passion there's no purpose yeah so. I mean, do you feel like um, you've been kind of going through? Did you lose your passion for a while? Is a that little something? bit, like, because I didn't know what I was 
I've got to the point where I'm like, yo, I don't even know what I'm doing. Like, Yeah, I feel like I've talked to you and you kind of have, have, have told me that before. I th- we had a lunch yeah. at Cantor's and it was yeah. like, we were both going through some shit. Yeah. Uh, I had just gone through the Knox City debacle and right. you, you were going through some shit of your own. Yeah, with the management team and everything. Yeah, yeah so. and we were both kind of directionless at the time. Yeah. H- have, you found, have you found a route yet? Have you gotten back? A little bit, man. I'm, I'm what? I haven't gotten back. I've gotten to the point where it's just like, yo, man, just create your your own your own space. Like create create the area for people to come to. And basically it's like that's what I don't I think for a long time I tried to fit in with with what somebody else was doing or try to get in here and do this and okay, go with this person and see where that takes you. It's like, nah, man, I feel like I have the ability to create an environment and to and and for people to come to. And I think that's my responsibility because that's what I've always have done take my biggest references the 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 parties i would throw on thurman and it was like yo because i wasn't feeling the club i wasn't really feeling this or that this and that like yo i'm this is what i want to do this is how i want to party and the people came you know what i'm saying and so i feel like i have to do that with music and and business and it's like yo i have these ideas i have this and i can i kind of have the resources to to create it myself like let me take that route fuck what everybody else is doing let me just built this this skyscraper of my own and people will come in for business or whatever i don't know i just want to say that one time i went to one of your parties on uh-huh. thurman and uh i walked up with like kale and, <laughs> and sb and uh somebody looked at me and goes uh first they said wait are you somebody's dad are you here to pick somebody up i was like fuck i'm not that old and then and then the second thing they said it was like yo man i think the cops are here <laughs> I remember that. I remember that. I remember that. You that was right fucked up, man. Yeah. Hey, fuck your friends. Yeah. No. <laughs> Just that shit was foul, uh, man. But no, that's pretty. That's pretty funny. Nah, and I didn't yeah. even have a mustache at the time, and they still thought I was the cops. Yeah, I remember that, man. I remember common. that clear. Yeah, you're a fucking ten year old kid rolling around with your dad in the truck, and mm. it, you guys are talking about life and stuff. And uh, were you talking about music with him then too? Um, what, what, did you already know you had a pension for it? Nah, man. Like my whole life, it was about basketball. I thought really thought yeah. it was gonna be in the NBA. Right. And that was your first dream was basketball. Yeah, definitely. That. That's that's where that's where all that was. Like my passion and all that stuff. And then it really came into to rap. Was he a baller too? Uh, he played uh, football and baseball. Okay. And um, your grandfather played baseball too, huh? Nah, my grandfather actually. Nah, you told me that your grandfather played baseball. Oh no, no, no. yeah, but this is that's my my mom's dad. Okay, because yeah, yeah. I I remember when we first met, uh, you would always have on the fucking illest uh, American ba- uh, baseball. Yeah, yeah, the baseball yeah. Uh, jackets. Yeah, I was always very jealous of them. Like, <laughs> uh, nah, yeah, the one I have a really dope one from him and yeah. him his baseball playing days. So your dad would just take you to the courts, and would you guys like run drills and shit? Or yeah, what? man, play one on one a lot. My grandmother had a, a basketball court in her backyard, and then we spent a lot of time at West LA College, um, McManus Park in Culver City, um, a few parks in Inglewood, in uh, uh, Hawthorne. Did you um, sprout early? Were you tall as a kid? I, uh, when I hit, probably when I hit like thirteen, maybe, mm-hmm. and I kind of started getting up there, mm-hmm. and I was like mad awkward, man. Like when I my freshman year. I just had my my growth my first growth spurt and I was all lanky and mm-hmm. I didn't know how to move. I was always falling on the court in games and I was mm-hmm. just mad awkward. I didn't I wasn't I don't know, man. I was not used to having these yeah, long limbs, limbs and, right. and I was on the floor like every other play, man. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of I didn't even realize it. it was my my best or my best friend at the time. Um, was like, yo, you're always on the fucking floor, man. Get it together. Like, are your shoes too big? Like, what the fuck, bro? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, every yeah. time I would jump up and then I'm on the floor and it was, ugh. I don't know. So then I stopped playing basketball and took this rapping shit for real. Oh, you stopped playing as a freshman? Nah, well, no, no, no. I went up to the next year. I got kicked off the team. For what? I don't remember, man. Yes, Probably. You do. I really, because <laughs> there was two separate times. Next year, I got, I got moved out. I played freshman the first year. Coach was, a, or the JV varsity coach was a, biggest asshole man so i played freshman and then the next year i moved up and something i think it might have been grades i don't know i was very involved with girls so that i know that played a a part Mm. but um the junior year i was all set to to play varsity i had it going in my head like yo you're about to kill the city go put up 35 points a game and then the the varsity coach was also the baseball coach and i got into it with his star baseball player and Uh. we kind of fought like fist fought and He was like on that dude's nuts. So in practice, he was like, Franklin, you're out of here. I'm mm. like, what? In front of everybody. Like, I'm like, what? Like, I'm one of the best people out here. What do you mean? Yeah. And he goes, you're out of here, man. Don't uh, don't come back. 
I was like, and wow. so the last time in the gym, I was like, man, fuck you. And that was that. I over dropped out of high school after that. Like you dropped out of high school. Hell yeah, man! Oh, so, I didn't know that. So you're you're a fucking rebellious youth. Hell yeah! Which is very funny. I, you I, I you don't strike me as <laughs> nah, a rebellious man. youth. Like you're fucking one of the nicest, most polite guys I know. Uh, and yeah, you don't seem that rebellious. I just don't get a lot of shit, man. I've never been down with school. I've never been down with anything, any type of structure or anything. Even as a kid, I, I feel like you, I feel like you would have had good grades. I, like, no, I had as, a, good as a kid for a, as, a long time. Like, elementary school yeah i did but and then know. and then you started questioning things i bet exactly you get the junior high and you're yeah. over it because you feel like you're smarter than everybody exactly right? and that feeling never went that's away that's a fucking that's a i hear that a lot from yeah. people and i and i relate to it yeah. rather than getting too rebellious i still like played the system a little bit and i and and like you know i was bored as shit but i still graduated like a 3.9 or something oh shit yeah yeah. I, yeah but i was you know i didn't fucking pay attention to anybody i just yeah. taught myself but um <laughs> I don't know, like what? So when did you start getting in trouble in school? What age? Fourth grade, you said? No, fourth grade. It was like little stuff, and but really, it was when I got to high school. Really, it was kind of like, yo, this shit is stupid, man. You, you went to Hamilton. I went to Hamilton High School in the Communication you, Arts. You got to be like pretty smart to get in there, though, don't you? Kinda, well, there's four different schools. You have the Hemi Prep, which is like regular high school. Then you yeah. have the Music Academy, Global Studies, um, Humanities, and Communication Arts Academy, which yeah. is what I was in, and. It was cool, pretty, you know what I mean? You had to be pretty, pretty smart. Yeah. And, um, you take a test to get in there or something? I don't know. I don't, I don't remember. I think, uh, my grades from middle school and kind of stuff that I did in middle school kind of transferred over. And yeah. I kind of saw that. And uh, I've talked to people on here who have been in the music program and then I talked to people who were in the humanities yeah. program. What's the communications program all about? Uh, really writing. Writing like it was like an essay, 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 and did you um thrive writing prose oh, yeah. as well, man? Because I mean, I know that I, I mean, obviously, I think you're a great writer, songwriter, mm-hmm. and you can write in rhyme. But so you were good writing in non-rhyme form. Yeah, as well. that was a, that's where you know, I mean, that's where I developed my my writing, mm-hmm. and that, it was in class. Really, mm-hmm. it was like we read and wrote, read and wrote, read and wrote, and so. It was all about comprehension and, mm. and all of that. And At so, this time, you start smoking weed and drinking yeah, man, and shit. I was smoking weed. I was like, I was leaving leaving the house. Me and the, chasing girls, chasing girls, and that I had the I had a group of friends who were uh, a grade a grade above me. So I was a junior; they were seniors. So I was ditching with them. They left at twelve o'clock because they were supposed to. I left at twelve o'clock because I thought I could. Yeah. And did you get that charcoal gray Acura? Nah, man. I was <laughs> nah. I didn't. Um, I was rolling in my homeboy's Bruce, uh, my homie Bruce's car. He had this little like '89 Toyota Camry. It was like a little go kart, man. Yeah. And it was just me and him playing Young Jeezy, the first, the first Jeezy mixtape before. Like, man, yo, that was the shit. Nobody knew who Jeezy was. Yeah. We were riding around like playing that as loud as possible. Yeah. And whatever. So I was like 16. I had this uh, another homie who had a condo right right down the street from Fox Hills Mall. So I called myself living in there for like a week before my mom pulls up. Uh, outside, like, yo, get your ass out here before I call your uncles and I call the police and oh. tell them you guys are up to some crazy shit in there. I'm like, okay, I'll yeah, come back. Yeah. Like, it's like 10, 10 kids and 10 high school kids in this condo. Yeah. The four bedroom condo living there. I don't know what I thought I was doing, but I don't know. I just wanted to live, man. Like, yeah. this whole, like, everything has been, been so familiar. Like, I've been, like you said, like, the beach is here, this is here, this house, Thurman, blah, 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 these people, blah, blah, blah. Like, I want to get out. I want to do yeah, shit. Like, yeah. this shit is weak, man. Like, you yeah. can't tell me, like, there's got to be more than just the day-to-day or these text messages or these emails or this Twitter or this Facebook. I've never, really, like, I've never really thought about that, but, like, you know, it's easy to go to school when you live in Alaska because it's fucking cold out and you want to just be indoors. <laughs> exactly. But I would imagine, like, growing up in the fucking heart of L.A., particularly West LA is very beautiful. Exactly, like, yeah. it's like being inside for eight hours during during the day when this it's so sunny. I must whack. be terrible. <laughs> it must be terrible. It's whack, man. Yeah, it's whack, and it's just yo. Did you have any teachers when you started to like uh, slack off and get in trouble that were trying to like pull you back in? Like, look, man, you're really talented and you should stick around. Or what? my history teacher, Mr. Steiner. Yeah, he was a uh, he was a shit, and he believed in me, and and he had you know he wanted me to to succeed and. So he was a, uh, he was on my case a little bit, and my English teacher, Miss Richter, uh-huh. she um she fought for me like no other. But on the last my last day in school, I was in her class, and I wrote I spent the whole time writing this letter to her about why I'm never coming back, uh-huh. and I gave it to her, and she didn't even trip. She didn't call my mom or nothing. I gave it to her. I was like, yeah, I'm sorry, but I can't be here anymore. Uh-huh. And it was just 
two-page letter, I think. And do you remember the, the basis of it? I was just, I was, it was a lot of bullshit to be honest. Like I just basically thinking I was smarter than everybody. I was like, yo, I thought I had it all figured out. And so I just remember sitting in that seat, like, yeah, 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 this makes sense, and this is right, and blah blah blah. So it was because when you're 16, lines. you fucking think you know everything. Yeah. So I was along the lines, like, yo, I felt like I've learned all I can learn, and I really all I give a fuck about. So I'm out of here. I don't want to waste your time. I feel like I'm wasting mine, and mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying. At that point, I had to figure it out that I was going to be some huge rap star. Mm-hmm. Like, I had trans- transferred over to that dream. Mm-hmm. And it was like, what? Like, and I'm tired and people fucked with me. Like, I, I beat some some fools in a battle. Oh, I performed one a few times. So it was like, yo, this is case closed. I'm the next Jay-Z mm-hmm. immediately. As yeah. soon as I drop out tomorrow. Of course. Psych. So so as soon as the basketball dream is over, the rap dream kicks in? Or yeah. was there some overlap? No, no, no. It was like, okay, fuck it. Coach is tripping. This is not going to work out. Let me go record these songs at my homeboy's house. And is there a moment that sticks out to you when you're like, "Oh yeah, this is this is it. This is it." Like, was there that first like taste of it? You know what I'm saying? Mm, yeah, I think the first time I recorded, I recorded a diss a diss song to Verbs. Get out! Your first song was a diss song to Verbs. It's to Verbs and CP and to Elvis. You know Elvis, yeah, yeah and all those dudes. They That's this, amazing. That is crew called First Class, uh-huh. and it was over some Ja Rule beat. Wow. And I was going in, talk about how I was going to kill them all and fucking kick their asses and blow them up with grenades and wow. all kind of shit. And it was very violent. Why? Why did you guys hate each other? I didn't even hate it. I hate them. I didn't even know them. It was just the crew that I was with. It was and it was some high school shit. Like, yeah. okay, this is this rap crew and that's what I'm fucking with and, and this is your rap crew. Yo, we don't like you guys. Fuck you guys. Huh. Beef. And this is like the middle of the... When beef is coming like out of... You know, everybody's having beef. Fifty Cent is having beef, and this well, yeah, that, I was gonna say it was over Jason a Ja Rule beat. Yeah, that yeah. might that was probably right before Ja Rule got wiped off yeah, the map. Exactly, yeah. right. It was right before, so yeah. it was like beef was the cool thing to do. So I was like, yo, we rap, we both rap, we got beef because you right? guys are all so peace now. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> fucking <laughs> try to get verbs to make a diss track yeah. to somebody. He'll be like, no, nah, can I just hug him? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that, that's funny. It's uh, really funny. Recording that first song, it was already like that. Yeah, because I was like yelling into the. It was like we recorded into the built in mic in this PC, and I was like sitting in front of the computer monitor just yelling these angry things. But the, the emotion I was able to express and, and the, the energy I felt afterwards, it was just like, yo, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. Yo, this is nuts. I got to do this all the time. So I was were, you, like, were you writing poetry like by yourself before that? Ever? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have some very emo poetry. Oh, me like, too, so, <laughs> Yo, <Woo! some> t- <laughs> I got some fucking love poems I wrote yeah. in high school that yeah. are like some wow, you know. Yeah, do you go back and read them? Oh yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are I was you, very romantic as a youth. Are you I'm proud be- of them or are you embarrassed? Oh no, I'm embarrassed yeah. as shit. Oh yeah. I, fuck, I mean I'm embarrassed of like. There's raps that I hope I never get out there. Like I, yeah. oh yeah, I, I'm never. I mean I'm embarrassed by shit that I was proud of three weeks right, ago. Right, you know what right, I'm saying? Right. Like, feel, yeah, what is yeah. that? What the fuck? I, th- I, I think personally that that's like a sign of um, continual growth as yeah. an artist. I think like if you're, you'll never fucking hear. I don't care how famous or whoever like it is. Yeah. You'll never hear somebody say like, oh yeah, that fucking first huge hit that I had is my yeah. favorite song I ever wrote. <laughs> right. Nah. Right, you know right. what I'm saying? Like that just doesn't happen. Like fucking, I don't know. I don't know either, man. Uh, so I, I definitely relate to that. So my point is, is that I think like if you're not embarrassed by shit you did mm-hmm. uh, a couple years ago, or at the or <laughs> as a fucking freshman in high school, <laughs> right, like right, right. you're not really right. developing as a person. You know what I mean? Fucking like that shit that. should be embarrassing, right? Yeah. So you start making the diss raps, and then and then what? Like, did you find a producer? Were you stealing beats? Were you? Fucking... I was stealing beats, and there was this. I don't know, man. I don't know. I got all these beats from the place I was recording at. Yeah. And it was we thought we were dipset. The there was a cool. Dipset. There was a cool little scene in the like uh no can coined it uh, mm-hmm. as the west la cool black nerd scene yeah back then That's like exactly in like 2005 2006 2007 yeah like it was a bunch of dude it was when kanye was first breaking out and all of a sudden it was okay to wear like a fucking v-neck sweater yeah. you know what i'm saying like yeah. and the spliff started right. and, and everybody would congregate over there on uh pico and whatever it was crazy man it was a crazy feeling it yeah. was a crazy feeling because even everybody everybody right now who's successful on any level was right there in the same spot it felt like yeah um, or a lot of people that are cracking right now were yeah, there yeah that's yeah. what I'm saying yeah, like yeah. it was like it's crazy looking back at it and and 
Mm-hmm. It trips me out sometimes because yeah. I'm like, yo, okay, I went this way. This person went that way. This person mm-hmm. did this, and this person's here. It's like, who else was around that time that you were running into that people would be surprised by? Yeah, so that well, that's where I met No Ken, and I think I met Dumbfounded there, and I, and me, and yeah, and you vaguely, yeah, because yeah. you were like you were working with Hope at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's where I met you was when you were with Hope. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. So. Yeah, so all that. Then there was the schemes. There was the Dom Kennedys. There was the yeah scheme, dude. He was yeah. like seventeen at the time yeah. over there. Yeah, exactly. yeah. I was just <laughs> telling somebody the other day about that. I was. They're like, "Oh, wait, you know who Scheme is?" I was yeah. like, "Yeah, dude, Scheme's tight. I fucking known him when he was a little kid." Yeah. <laughs> See, um, Scheme fucking Raquel came through. Yeah. Uh, Ty Dolla Sign. Yeah, uh, Ty Dolla Sign is uh, fucking huge right exactly. now. Exactly. Speak. Yeah. Um, Casey Veggies Thursday. Uh, Yo, Jonas McHill, yeah. and um. I remember Val telling me that um, who's I guess running the split, I future emailing him over and over and over trying to get on that no trying shit. to get on, on the on the bill. Val fucked that up. Yeah, he <laughs> <laughs> fucked that up. <laughs> oh my god, completely. <laughs> nah, like, but no, but get the, these kids out. Well, of here. no, but at the other time, at that same time, maybe yeah. Val was one of the reasons that they fucking yeah. like them the not getting put on yeah. was like fucking the motivation exactly. Because yeah, okay. fuck, maybe they would have just been us been sad about right things. exactly sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> Man, we used to be at the split. <laughs> now I'm sad. <laughs> No, but oh, man. So yeah, man. A lot of people came through, came rocked under that roof, man. So yeah. What was your relationship with Hope? Yeah, you were like hype manning for him when I first met you. Hell no. Nah, yeah, you man. were. Dog. Hell no. Yes, nah, you were. Dog. All right, let's what? straighten it out. Is that Straight. what you think? That's right what now? I thought. That's what I thought. Nah, man. See that. I that's was, why I, I think, was really just the homie. So it was I think that's like, why. That's okay. So. Back then, I was the king of poor assumptions. You know what I'm saying? I was on, I was on my fucking ego shit, and I like to think that I've developed farther as a person since then. But I was definitely on some quick to judge. I'm doing my shit, ain't yeah. nobody fucking with it type of thing. So yeah. when I would see you like on stage with him, I was like, oh, that's light. You used yeah. to go by light. I was like, oh, he's that's fucking Hope's hype man. That's right. what I thought because I would see Hope on all the flyers, but I would never see like I never I didn't see fl- light that much. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And so. I made a poor assumption. And then when I was like in the studio watching your writing process, I was like, whoa, fucking he's so tight. Like I was, I'm a fucking idiot. Yeah, man, you know what I'm saying? Like with, with that, it was like, cause I always did after high school and after not really fucking with that crew, I did, I was on my own. So it was kind of like me and me and Deuce and we just rocked. And yeah. I kind of did my own shit, pressed up my own CDs and went out to like, I'm like, I definitely experienced the, the go take your CD and, and go sell it at Venice beach or go get in people's faces and push it out. So that I was on that type of shit. Yeah. Hope was a part of this crew, fresh, uh, fresh to death F2D. And along with scheme and, and, and my boy, um, Julian and that's whatever. So that was that. And so I decided to do work with them and make music with them and just, rock out and so i was just kind of being the homie like yo you want to rock like yes and supporting and kind of oh, okay. like rocking but it was never i was always doing my own shit and it was i kind of wanted to i think we always had this this competitive thing between us yeah open eye and so it was kind of like i never wanted to do the same things but I, I'll, I'll support you yo you want somebody to rock with you on stage like fuck it i'll do it like i never i was never insecure about that like okay i'm a hype man or, or i don't want to look like a hype man or i don't want to look like this it's like nah i fuck with your music i fuck with this song and you need to, you want somebody on stage with you and nobody else wants to do it yo i'll rock with you uh-huh. you know what i'm saying or or you rather have me up there then yeah that's cool let's rock let's let's go kill this shit with with mad energy yeah and so so that was that's all that was but on i was no hype, man. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. Like I said, poor assumptions. Nah, it's all good. It's all yeah. good. What was the first project that you're putting out, like pump, pumping to people at Venice Beach? So soulful. I it was 27 songs. I recorded it in my Ooh, closet. 27 <laughs> hell songs. Yeah, man. You were, you like, had some. You were proud. Yeah, hell yeah. You I had was some like, faith. I was on, man. And, yeah. and you know, my sister took the the cover with her digital camera, mm-hmm. and you know, I printed it up and. Went out to Venice Beach with my homie, and we were selling it. How would that go? It was it was pretty dope, man. It was fun. A lot of a lot of like get the fuck out of my face, but then a lot of like, yo, this shit is kind of cool. I'll yeah. spend five bucks on this, and yeah. then you occasionally like uh, ten bucks, and yeah. then <laughs> you get that person's like, yeah, like what the fuck? Yeah, so that yeah. was like my first taste of really really making money off of music, and it was just like and, do, and doing it myself that felt good. And so from that point, I was like, yo, I kind of always want to do it. If myself. you could guess, how many do you think you sold on Venice Beach? On Venice Beach, yeah, or or like just in total the street hand to hand hustle, probably like thirty three CDs. <laughs> <laughs> 
I thought you were gonna be like, oh, like probably thirty three hundred. No, like, no, 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 thirty three CDs. Because I, I was like, I was, I wasn't that hard of a salesman. Like I wasn't yeah. that persistent. So as soon as, as soon as I felt like I was about to lose the sale, I'm like, okay, well here, take it. <laughs> so I probably handed out like thirty three hundred. Yeah, but as yeah. Sold like thirty. That's amazing. Yeah, that's funny, man. <laughs> yeah. So, so then what happens? You get a job. Yeah, I get a job. Well, I, yeah, I had a job. You had working a job the whole time. Right? Working at Nike Town. I had all these things. Like it was an MBA, then it was music, and then I thought I was gonna work for Nike and go move to Oregon uh-huh. and and do something there because I was a big shoe head and had all kind of shoes. And working for Nike Town added more to the collection, and so I was kind of entertaining that that route. And, but what um, was the work that was gonna get you there? You know what I'm saying? Like were you were, like you had the dream but were you actively pursuing Yeah, the, I was yeah. actually well I was working for Nike and was making all the connects and, and moving here and doing this, doing this and shaking hands and I was kinda doing it. But then that all added to like, yo, fuck structure, fuck I know it all. I'm the man. This all that I was coming in you have a uniform or yeah. kind of a uniform at Nike Town. I was coming in like with hoodies on the sales floor, fitted hat, like it's a boutique. Wow. And, like I was like, yo, fuck what am, what am I wearing? They want you to wear the running running shorts. I'm yeah. wearing the long basketball shorts yeah. with the red stripes on the side and looking all crazy, wearing shoes that they haven't sold in like three, four years. They're yeah. like, yo, you have to wear shit that's on the sales floor. I'm like, no, the fuck I don't. I'm wearing <laughs> these. Like, this is tight. This is. I had clients coming in, like, yo, people coming in, like, yo, I'm going to come see you a few times this week. Can you set these aside? You know, I was, was killing. I had the highest selling record. I mean, the record for the most sales in a day. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I felt like I knew it all. Yeah. I, not long after that, they're like, "Yo, you're fired." Yeah, <laughs> and so yeah. there goes that. Right. Yeah. No so shit. It's a, it's a lot of attitude shit with me, and like once I get to a certain point, I'm like, "Yo, fuck this! I can do it all myself." Yeah. But I don't know. Did Ali and Dave play a big part in changing your attitude? Uh. Or when did your attitude change? Well, no, I did because I when started fucking with them. I was like, "Yo, okay, chill. They're gonna do some shit now, and mm-hmm. I just need to make this music and." I think for a person like me, I, that was the wrong attitude to take. I think I still needed to maintain, you know what I'm saying, the, the idea that I need, to, I need to do everything and let them contribute. Just that, just that mindset, like do everything, do everything, and then let them fill in the blanks. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And because and I have that basically what, they were a team that, that, that were there to support and I was the, the leader. But I, as soon as I was in that position, the, for the first time I was in that position to actually lead a team, which is basically, I think, what I've been fighting for at Nike and school and just to be the head honcho, I fell back. And I don't kind of, I, I was like, okay, well, cool. Just make music now. Mm-hmm. Chill out. And things kind of fell apart because I did that. Like, I, you know what I mean? My name got called, and I don't know if I didn't realize it or, you know what I'm saying? But it was, I, I should have just rocked out and said, okay, keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. And this is how I want things. And this, this and use that, use that opportunity to, basically fuck shit up but mm-hmm. i fuck shit up and because I, I i sat down w- what do you mean things fell apart well not fell apart it just kind of got confusing because yeah. everybody's looking at me like well what are we gonna do right and i'm looking at and i'm looking at them like well, what are we gonna do right well, i don't i don't know i don't know like still, when still, you when you got brought into the studio system and you're yeah because it was the first time it was like on music, a, in a professional nightly. level and like yeah. you know what i'm saying i'm used to in the studio your, your yeah your situation in that studio is a lot different than i think what most like quote-unquote underground rappers were going through because yeah. you're in like you were in really nice studios yeah like, you guys studios legit i fucking record my albums in a closet yeah. you know what i'm saying <laughs> like we, or like in literally in the back of a fucking print shop like where yeah. we set up a makeshift studio and like you guys this shit was like really nice studios yeah, was, and you're getting to vibe out there like no one's clocking your hours right. or anything like that you're not paying for studio time you're just in there chilling you're just chilling yeah and um you guys had a lot of output and you know like you were you're writing hooks with the intent of like selling them to people and like some yeah. of them were big hooks you yeah. know what i mean like they were dope but yeah being there i did feel like you guys were sitting on some gold but didn't know what to do with it yeah. almost is that that's exactly what it was and i felt like looking back on it i think the attitude that I had before that as far as putting music out and, and hitting the streets and getting to these people, like when I was rocking out the spliff and when I was doing all this shit, I should have maintained that mm-hmm. because there was a, instead of taking it to these, to these labels or taking it to these people who were like, okay, can we get this hook place? Can we sell this song? Can we get a budget for this album? Can we do this? We should have just, we had, we had that quality music and music that, that should be on the radio or that could be considered pop or could be, or could hit on a mainstream level. But let's take it to this. Let's take it the underground route. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Or let's apply that. The like underground you wish you would just put it out. Yeah, put, exactly. Just put it out. 
And because yeah. that's what, at this point, that's what everybody's doing. It's like, okay. Because sometimes done is better than perfect. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And so, like, if putting it out uh, through a major label is the perfect route, then it's like, if that's not going to work, sometimes just getting it done and yeah, putting it out is the route. It was just, I don't know, man. It was just a lot of confusion. So, but now I think that's cleared up. And so we're just rocking. Yeah. And I don't know. And it's just, it was all growing, I guess. Getting yeah. into that, I think it was a lot fast. I don't know, man. I'm just and trying to understand. And that was the first time I was able to to, to expand on what I do musically. And so I was trying to, you know what I mean, take all that in and figure it out. And so, and then the baby and then everything just kind of like hit all at once. And then I had to go through a period where, okay, you, you, you organize everything. Okay, this is this, this is this, this is this. And now you move forward and kind of like understand what you have. Yeah. What's in your possession and what you can do. Yeah. All that. That's basically everything up to this point I feel like is the game coming to me. Yeah. Now I have all the game that I, that I need and now it's using because I'm still, what, 24 and I feel like that's a good age because all the people that I fuck with and looked up to. I can't believe you're only 24. That's, you're so young. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. Uh, I almost feel like um, ignorance can help sometimes because I feel like you mm-hmm. have a team that's so knowledgeable behind yeah. you that they're like, nah, you can't. we can't do this. That's yeah, the wrong route. Exactly. Whereas like, I, I just push it out because I'm like, I don't know what else to do. With it. I'm, a fucking, I'm just going to do it. Yeah. And, and it's like probably completely wrong, but it's like seeming to work a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Where it's like sometimes if you're just fucking ignorant and dumb with it, like yeah. it just, sometimes shit will happen. That and that you know it's funny man because I'm I listen to my music when I established my fan base and when people were fucking with me when I was rocking on stages like every other weekend my music the levels were all fucked up yeah. the everything was like a little late or whatever the, it sounded gritty and dirty and there the mix there was no mix on it at all but this is what the this is what worked for me yeah. I was able to pull it out and put it out and just go and yeah. it was like that it, it attached to people and, and people fucked with it yeah but now it's like okay well now shit sounds great and now things are this and this and everything's in line but it's like you know what I mean it's kind yeah. I don't know man I don't know like being in the studio and stuff, one of the things that I can appreciate about what you do is like you get in a, your process is way different than mine in that like you can fucking get in a booth and just kind of like wing it and then mm-hmm. fix it. Mm-hmm. And particularly with like melodies and stuff like that. Right. So I, I wonder where your penchant for singing come, came from. Like did, were you, did you grow up in church, choir and stuff like that or anything? I don't know, man. I'm going to tell you straight up. My, me and singing started, it goes back to my sister. That's yeah. her, like us singing Mariah Carey at the top of our lungs and oh. all this shit. And to be honest, like, yo, for a long time, I knew I didn't, there was no, I, you, I knew I couldn't sing. Yeah. Like, I was like, yo, what the fuck? You sound horrible, bro. But so it was just about, like, you put some auto tune on your shit and you sound like T Pain, cuz you sound good. I'm trying to go without the auto tune now. Like, I'm trying to find my, you know what I mean? Yeah, Whatever, yeah. you just find where you're comfortable and just rock. You yeah, know what yeah, I'm saying? That but one, yeah, that key. Auto tune, thank God for that, cause that, that helped me a lot. Like, try to understand or help me understand what I could do with my voice. Yeah. And so, but yeah, man. It's just kind of like living life, man. When it comes to singing, like you just got to kind of, oh, this was tight. This sounded tight. Let me keep that. And then, okay, let me try this now. And let me, oh, okay, that worked. Or that didn't work. Fuck, I'm never doing that again. And it's kind of like you have to go in there. And that's what, you know what I mean? Spending a lot of time in the studio alone or with somebody that you trust, you feel free to do these to wild out. And maybe sometimes sound like you just kind of, you just kind of taught yourself how to harmonize and stuff. Yeah, like that's, and and listening to shit, like, and kind of like, you know, just kind of pulling everything. That I don't. I, sometimes I don't know where I pull shit from. I just remember shit that I've heard, and it's just like, okay, well, maybe that'll sound good right mm-hmm. here. And sometimes it works. Some, most times it doesn't, but those times it works. It really works. Mm. And you know, I was just spinning, go over and over and over. Like, uh, let me try to go this high, or let me try to go this low, or let me try to, you know, what I mean, put some type of accent on or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. It's yeah. just fucking around. It's really yeah. just fucking around. Nah, you have good studio etiquette, and it's funny because, like, I never really understood the concept of, like, the vibe or whatever, because, like, the way that Mark and I work together is kind of like, it's just the two of us in a room, Mm -hmm. and it's probably me being too bossy to him and him (laughs) him pushing the buttons and, and... and I'm just going, oh, wait, because I already hear it finished in my head. I'm like, oh, wait, fuck, I fucked up. It's like, right. you know, it's very like kind of it's a bit one sided probably because I'm like a perfectionist. And, and like w- being in the studio with you guys, it's kind of a, this big team thing where everybody, you know, Dave's not afraid to pitch in some info yeah. or whatever. But it's also very like it's this vibey. Like yeah. if the vibe is off, it's like some yo, get this person out of yeah, the room exactly. type of shit. Immediately. Yeah. yeah. Is there anybody that you, uh, you've worked with in the studio that has been? A fucking pain in the ass or that has been like that's a vibe killer not to put anyone on blast but um 
I don't know, man. I think the first, as, as soon as I get a, a sign, like, okay, this person might get on my nerves or this might kill yeah. vibes, and I just kind of tune them out. So I don't really pay attention you, that long. You just separate yourself yeah, from the situation? immediately. Or I, yeah. like, go chill out. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to just spend this session smoking cigarettes outside. Yeah. Or I'm going to just kind of, like, okay, get in the laptop or really just write what the fuck I want to write. Right. And so, you know what I mean? Because a lot of people aren't interested in establishing that vibe. They're, yeah. I don't know. And so... So I don't know. I don't pay attention long enough to be like, oh, yo, this person fucked up the session or this and this and this. I just kind of just go into my own world at that point. Yeah. So I really can't say who. I don't know. You still smoking a lot of weed? Nah, man. The month of June, I took off the whole month of June. Yeah. And How was that? It was cool. Like, it was it was cool at first, and it got stressful, and then it got cool again. And then, um, so I started smoking since then, and but not as much. Still, I was smoking like every day. Still fucking, day. still fucking with them sativas instead of yeah, the Indians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to as much as I can. You know what I mean? So yeah, because it was I smoked last night some sativa. I think it was called a hashberry. Yeah, I was like on another level, like happy man. My smile was from ear to ear. Yeah. I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. Let's go make some fun shit. Nice like, right now. Yeah. So I don't know. So it, it works out, but that Kush, like, man, that shit is so stupid to me. Like I taking that break. It was yeah. the first break I've ever taken. I started smoking. I was like sixteen. It was the first break I've ever taken longer than two weeks, maybe. And uh, and looking at it, I was like, yo, why do why the fuck do people smoke Kush and go pass out and get stupid? Like I don't get it. Like in like even going into lean, like I don't get that one either. Like, why do you want to slow down? Why do you want to chill? Why do you want to like? Cause I get, I smoke Kush or the OG or the Fires weed or whatever, the loud, and I get dumb as shit, yeah. and I get all weird, and I'm like eyes wide, and I'm like thinking too much. I'm like, why do people want to do this? Like, right. why? But then I go smoke sativa, Blue Dream, the shit Hashberry, whatever, and I'm like, yo, feeling good, vibing. It's like my body's on, you know what I mean? Just well, like chill shit. and, and like, I feel like you you feel that it helps your creativity as well. Probably a, a it does. Bit, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, the sativa yeah. sativa makes you want to go think and do shit. Yeah, and, and exactly. well, but that's the thing is like I think that ties into like your whole. Uh, you know, like people that smoke Kush, maybe they're satisfied and comfortable with their ad. Yeah, you know what yeah, I'm saying? I'm, this, it's not for me, man. I'll tell you, like, yo, I, yo, you can smoke the fire, bro. Like, give me the shit that's just going to let me chill and be cool and be happy. Right, exactly. Yo, that Kush shit, man. Yeah. I'll do it every once in a while, but it's yeah. just like, you know? Uh, you just put out nine. I haven't put it out yet. Oh, you still haven't? No. Oh, whoops, my fault. No, it's all good. Well, then we're gonna edit well, that part. No, I'm gonna go, no, no, no. Don't you're about edit to put that part out because people have it. Like I've sent. I've yeah, sent, I have it. Yeah, you have it. Yeah. I've sent it out to. To I've got. I collected a few emails and and sent it out just on some shit. So there's like a few few different versions out. Yeah. And so I don't know, but as far as like officially being out, like yo, when you are you gonna put it out? Remote? I don't know. Man. What do you what, like? Are you guys uh, are you guys looking for labels and stuff like that? Yeah, fuck all that, man. I just we're just gonna put it out. Just put it out. But it's kind of you know. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes if you just put shit out, good things happen. That's hopefully. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I want to put it out. I'm gonna put it out just one day. I just gotta find. I don't gotta do nothing. I'm gonna put it out. Yeah, that's fuck it. it. <laughs> fuck it. That's it. You're you're a rebel, bro. Yeah, man. Fuck it. What are you working on after that? Um, I don't know. Just re- I want to get on the road and go go perform. Me everywhere. too. Yeah. We should let's get booking agents and go on tour together. Saying, man, we played a yeah. show together in fucking February and it was awesome. It was. That was like then, one of my favorite shows. Exactly. Ever. Exactly. And it was just kind of like I wanted to put a sh- I wanted to put a show on because I hadn't played one in L.A. in like eight months. Mm-hmm. And I was like, who could I get to open for me? And I was like, Cool Roy would be tight. We got some similar fan bases mm-hmm. and like. It just worked. It, it worked felt really so good. Well. It felt yeah. so good. And Everything was perfect. Yeah, yeah. shout outs to everybody. And, and this is, podcast is already going to come out by the time that uh, it happens, but we have a show together this Sunday. Uh-huh. I'm excited to play that shit. Yeah, I'm looking forward to yeah, it. Yeah, man. So, yeah, we should do that. Let's we just put records that. out and go on the road. Uh, I'm Sounds down. like a plan. I'm Me down. Me too. Yeah. Me too. All right, cool. Uh, tell the people where to find you online. Uh, CoolRoySays.com. CoolRoySays.com mm-hmm. on Twitter. You're also at CoolRoySays. CoolRoySays, everything. Everything. Just look for that and you'll Google find me. it, whatever site. Yeah, know. man. Well, uh, you know, I'm glad that we got to hash some things out. Yo, what do you mean? Wait, you get me all open to talk about my life and then you just end off like that? That's like, what it. do you mean? Yeah, I mean, I mean, what else do you want to tell you? You want a hug right nah, now? Do you I want a hug? Yeah, I need one, man. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll hug you, bro. I'm like, no. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, man. I'm saying I feel like, you know, we, we, sorted, through, we sorted through some things. Yeah, and, and you know, it started that. off sad, but I feel like we're leaving on an uplifting note because we're going to fucking tour the world together. Definitely. Pause. Maybe is that a pause? No, nah, that's I not don't a pause. Know. I don't know. But anyways, no, no, no. we're gonna we're, we're gonna go fucking take over the world now. So uh-huh. uh, look for him online 
at Coolroy says. Mm-hmm. My fucking name is Lee. You guys might know me as Intuition. And uh, you can find us online at That's Kinda Neat or at KindaNeat.net. You can find us on YouTube at YouTube.com slash That's Kinda Neat. Uh, follow me on Twitter at It's Intuition. And my man Ben Shim, who I owe the world to for making this thing click like to- uh, click like tick tock. Mm-hmm. He makes it like clockwork is what I meant to say. My man Ben is at I am database based with two S's. All praises due. We're at the same place on Instagram. And uh, this is my man Coolroy. Thank you for coming in. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. And uh, this was kind of neat. Yeah.